Welcome to Return to the Movies. I'm Austin J. Jones, your lovable host, and today's day of the joke is yesterday a clown held up the door for me. I thought I was a nice jester. Wow, these jokes are getting terrible each passing year. Anywho, since we're near near the time of Christmas joy and whatnot, I figured it would be a good time to look at the most lovable and joyous movies of this time of year. Here, what movies you ask? Well, that's simple. We're going to be looking at How the Grinch Stole Christmas, Jim Carrey's version, Don't Judge Me. Home Alone, Home, Ain't That Night, Nice Christmas Story, Made to Look Over, The Nightmare Before Christmas, Who Doesn't Love Watching a Skeleton and Try to Pretend to Be Santa Claus? And of course, where's Santa Claus? Ain't nothing like a regular guy getting big and fat and being probably one of the best interpretations of Santa by far, from what I've seen. And I know some of you are wondering, no, sadly, if we, there will, we will not be reviewing Die Hard, Hard or A Christmas Story. Because A, I, a, I already talked about Christmas Story in my last radio special. And B, there was a lot of commotion between you know, Die Hard as a Christmas movie or not, even though it takes place in Christmas, and I do not want to be under fire. So if you excuse me, I'm going to duck, as I will do now. Anywho, this is what we're going to be looking over today. I hope you enjoyed this this holiday festivity episode. But for now, we're going to be taking a quick break. So sit back and relax and enjoy the classic Christmas music. You are me one, Mr. Grinch by Thur Ravenscroft. Mr. Grinch, you really are a heel. You're as cuddly as a cactus, you're as charming as an eel, Mr. Grinch. You're a bad banana with a greasy black peel. You're a monster. Mr. Grinch, your heart's an empty hole. Your brain is full of spiders. You've got garlic in your soul, Mr. Grinch. I wouldn't touch you with a 39 and a half foot pole. You're a vile one, Mr. Grinch. You have termites in your smile. You have all the tender sweetness of a seasick crocodile, Mr. Grinch. Given the choice between the two of you, I'd take the seasick crocodile. You're a foul one, Mr. Grinch. You're a nasty, wasty skunk. Your heart is full of unwashed socks. Your soul is full of gunk, Mr. Grinch. The three words that best describe you are as follows, and I quote, Stink, stank, stunk. You're a rotter, Mr. Grinch. You're the king of sinful sots. 
Your hearts are dead tomato splotched with moldy purple spots, Mr. Grinch. Your soul is an appalling dump heap, overflowing with the most disgraceful assortment of deplorable rubbish imaginable, mangled up in tangled up knots. You nauseate me, Mr. Grinch. With a nauseous super nos. You're a crooked, jerky jockey, and you drive a crooked horse, Mr. Grinch. You're a three decker sauerkraut and toadstool sandwich with arsenic sauce. We all know the very classic story of every who down in Whoville who loves Christmas very much, but the Grinch did not. Ah, yes, that, that Dr. Seuss's 1957 book that we've all heard about a thousand times over due to the 1966 anime television special, as well, well as this new tooth app. Housing film, as well as the 2018 third adaptation of the story. Why is there fascination with the Grinch? I guess maybe because it shows that even some people who have a rotten heart can ultimately love Christmas. The film is narrated by Anthony Hopkins and stars Jim Carrey as guess who? The Grinch, with Jeffrey Tombaugh, Christie. And Bransky, Bill Irwin, and Molly Shannon in supporting roles, as well as Taylor Mossman, and as, well, guess who? Cindy Lou Who. Now, the fascinating about this film is it, it is based off of the book, which is based off the anime, a television special. So they had to do something to add more to it to make it more of a movie. You know, like, uh, uh, give some more info and backstory with the Grinch. Reworking the story's minor character, Cindy Lou Who, and making her into a main character. Most of the rhymes were used in the book, are also used in the film, though some lines were changed to some degree, and with several new rhymes put in. The film borrowed some music and character elements in the original television special, such as the song, You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch, as well as the Grinch's green skin tone. Now here's a funny thing, Uh, the movie got mixed reviews from critics who criticized the screenplay characters, innuendos, and dark tone. I can sort of see that part, uh, the innuendo part, anyhow. But praised Jim Hawk Horner's musical score, the performance from and Carrie, and the production values, and particularly the makeup. The film grossed over 345 million worldwide, becoming the sixth highest-grossing film of the year 2000, and was originally second and highest-grossing holiday film of all time, right behind Home Alone. <laughs> Ain't that ironic? I'm review 
becoming the second highest grossing holiday film from first and the highest grossing holiday film um, right after it. And until, oh wait, there's more. Until both films were, were surpassed by the third adaptation of the story. Yeah, of course. Anywho, the film won an Academy Award for Best Makeup as well as getting nominations for Best Direction and Best Costume Design. Now, I know some critics don't like the film, but I'm gonna be honest with you, I enjoyed it. I don't care if it's not the original, I don't care if some people say it's a perversion of what uh, the original was, I don't care, it's a lot of fun, I think it does a pretty good story, has a pretty good story, as well as give a little bit more depth to the Grinch. Yeah, I know, I'm surprised I said that too. It shows us why the Grinch hates Christmas so much. He was bullied only by I want I basically the mayor error and be error. Considering he was he had the attention of Martha May Hoover. Not King, that is actually a yeah, name in this movie. I just don't understand why these Who's like having Who in their name so much. Anywho, who Martha was the Grinch's crush. Actually, the kind of citizen of Whoville, all yada yada. But what she didn't know was that the mayor, Augustus May, who I seriously, who comes up up with this stuff, of Ruff, also had a thing for her. He was Whoville's rude, arrogant, and judgmental mayor. He was a he picked on the Grinch when he was a kid for practically most of his life. life. Tell him to shake in his face, and everyone laughed at, at the Grinch when he did it. And all except and for Martha, who sort of has a crush on him. I'm not kidding. If you saw on the flashback of the movie, you know she had, had so much compassion toward the young Grinch. But when and everyone laughed at him, it drove him to hate Christmas, and everyone. And who celebrate the holiday. Maybe he hated it so much he ran away, living up into the mountains and hating everyone alphabetically. I'm not kidding, that's an actual line. I'm by the neighbor right here. He hates everyone alphabetically. To hate, double hate, and loathe entirely. Never thought I'd hear from myself say that. It also. Who uh, aged up Cindy Lou Who a little bit? In the original, she was two. Here, she's six years old, and she sort of has a more prominent role. Well, trying to get the Grinch to see he, that anger isn't the way to let go of that and actually let love in, and that's something that we all need to learn. When it comes to Christmas, it's not about the toys, it's not about the stuff, it's just being there for each other and letting all that anger and hate that you have for someone and to just float away. It doesn't matter what they did in the past. All you have to do is be the bigger person and, and learn to live your life the way you want to live it. The Grinch spent years, years hating in Christmas and the people who made him in this way. And it's understandable why. But when you let go of that hate, you can find that you can be happy. I mean, 
things do come full circle for him, but still, well, seeing that flashback, it was hard, hard to watch. Watch, and frankly, it's not nice to see he, that the mayor here gets pretty much what he he deserves. There's I.E. He, he gets denied this request to arrest the pepper spray the Grinch. Pepper spray? What? I think maybe the cops from today are taking making some pieces of pieces and pages from, from the books of here in Whoville. <laughs> Anywho. No, long story short, I had a good time. It was a fun movie. I definitely recommend it to those who, who want to enjoy Christmas. Now, we're going to take a quick little break here. This is What's This by Danny Elfman.
Welcome back to Return to the Movies. I'm your awesome host, Austin Jones. And now we're going to be talking about everyone's favorite Christmas family comedy film, Home Alone. Yeah. The film was played by Marcelie Cullen on an eight-year-old boy who must defend his home from two burglars, Harvey and Mark, were played by Joel Pesky and Daniel Stern. After his family accidentally leaves him alone on their vacation. And now the funny thing is, this film was, I think, one of the few who that spawned a successful film franchise that probably should have stopped at just one. No joke, this movie, this series has spawned from um, Home Alone to Home Alone to Home Alone to Home Alone to Oh my God, these people just will not stop. I mean, seriously, it's one thing to have a pretty good movie every now and again, but to have a franchise that was probably good enough to stop at one, and that says a lot. They even spawned two video games based on the first two movies. Well, on the plus side, at least there hasn't been in another Home Alone ever since their fifth one, the Holiday Heist, and. Hang on, I gotta take this. Yeah? What? What do you mean they're making a sixth one? I don't care what you had to do, Mark, to stop that film from getting produced! Crank <laughs> uh, call. Anywho, the film was a very big success, despite both audience and critics alike. Like, it surpassed its, its $10 million limit, and that's been imposed by the film's budget, a.k.a. Warner. Warner, it received two Golden Globe Awards no- or nominations for Best Motion Picture, Best Musical and or Comedy, and Best Actor in a Mo- Motion Picture slash Musical slash Comedy, a.k.a. Culkin, a.k.a. Kevin's Actor, as well as two Academy Award nominations for Best Original Score are composed by John Williams and Best Original Song for Somewhere in My Memory. That's right, this movie is so good, they even had songs in it. And TAKE NOTES, DISNEY! Which I'm pretty sure you uh, first one on Surrounded, but uh, seriously, what happened? And anywho, it, w- it was a pretty good move, movie, and, and it also re- relaunched a sequel. Home that was the only home alone home to ha- have most of the original cast reprising their roles. Seriously, what? Huh, these guys couldn't get in the originals? I mean, it's unlikely, but still. Anywho, when the film starts off with the McAllister family, and we're preparing to spend Christmas in parents' friends. Ah, please, we, oui, mon chéri. <laughs> But I accidentally leave Kevin behind. All the while, two burglars are about to try and get into Kevin's house and rot the place. Which leads to probably one of the funniest slapsticks I've ever seen in my life. Seriously, this kid just went straight up and basically turned the entire house into a booby trap that rigs every single step you took. I surprised the villains are like, oh my god, this kid it is it's satanic. Please get me to jail. I don't want to deal with that kid anymore. Like, I probably would 
have if I had to deal with that kind of stuff. I mean, who in their right mind would be so stupid to actually fall for those booby traps again and again and again? Oh, Liam Falcon does the main dumb villains, of course. Of course. Anyways, the film was basically very fun, very comical, and it had some good moments, like that had somewhere in my memory he saw. It basically points out how it's not only a very good song, it also allows a very good look at the cat event and what his family's like. And it's understandable considering sometimes the family Emily thinks of him as a kid, and and basically the hardships of when families have to split apart. All right, all right, and he misses his family. I wouldn't you miss your family when you are an eight-year-old, with basically nothing to do and having to spend Christmas all on their own. It's a very hard thing to do. But the important thing is, you gotta keep, keep your spirits high. And one, hopefully, things will work themselves out. I mean, it did work out for Kevin. After all, his family came back. For him, and he reconciled with his parents. After they got into that huge fight at the beginning of the film. Oh. Oh. That whole splitting up part, that, deal, that comes in in one of the later sequels. Spoilers! Anyhow. Oh, it's not. It's a good family film, and it has great actors, good writing, and I definitely recommend it to anyone who will want to get a holly jolly, like Merry Christmas. Yes. And, and unfortunately, after that, McConnelly he uh, does not do as well as he did as in Home Alone too. But then again, that's not his fault. He is a child actor. Hollywood got to him, so I don't blame him for that part. So, anywho, let's move on to the next film, shall we? just joining us i'm austin j jones this is return to the movies and now we're going to talk about probably one of everyone's favorite and stop motion anime and musical dark fantasy christmas film films directed by henry Silk, produced and conceived by tim burton himself well, that is the nightmare before christmas it tells the story of jack skeleton the king of halloween town who stumbles upon on the portal to Christmas Town, and became obsessed with celebrating the holidays in his own dark, twisted, and but well-meaning way. Hey, now the funny thing about this film is that it was originally written as a poem by Tim Burton in 1982, who and was working as an animator at Walt Disney Productions. With his success to Vincent, Burton wanted to consider developing Tim. The Nightmare Before Christmas as either a short film or a 30-minute TV special. But over the year, here's Burton's thoughts regularly return to the project. 
and, and in 1980, he made a development deal with Walt Disney. His name, which, which eventually turned into the fa- everyone's fan favorite for, throughout the millennium, um, i.e., his fa- the Nightmare Before Christmas, or NBC. See what I did there? <laughs> Anyways, his production started on July 1991 in San Francisco. Disney initially released the film through Touchstone Pictures because this was it believed that the film would be too dark and scary for kids. While clearly, Bert and one did not, the rest of the people did not think that way, showed the kids the film. Um, and they went bananas over it. It was both a critical and financial success, grossing over 90 million since, since the initial release and garnering a cult following. Huh, that's funny. A film that and was both, both a popular hit with both critics and, and viewers and getting a, getting a cult following. Move over to our terrible movies that have cult followings. We got a new star on the stage. He was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Visual Effects, for a for first for an animated film. Oh, and that's saying something. The film was since been reissued by Walt Disney Pictures, first and was re-released annually in digital in Disney Digital 3D from 2006 until 2009, making it the first stop-motion animated feature to be entirely converted to 3D. Now that's an experience I would want. Right. And the movie does a pretty good job of making you love every minute. The bright color, ours, the a fantastic music. I mean, seriously, hey, name me a favorite song on this movie that you can think of right out of the gate. It, I know, I'm thinking of one. Let's say it together. One, two, three. This is Halloween. Yeah. And the the first opening song immediately drags you in. Explore or in Jack's world. And you can get the... And just everyone's happy with the holidays with another successful Halloween. All except for Jack. He feels like everything's run its course. Everything he's done before. He wants something new. Something exciting. Something breathtaking. And, and frankly, that's what everyone wants now in the day. It's everyone feels like they've done everything they possibly can and, and look for something more, only to realize they have everything they ever wanted and right in front of them. I mean, sure, it takes Jack a little bit. And, but, but he did and finally find that when... And in the graveyard, right at the end, when Seth, Ali and Jack declare their love for each other, seriously... Those two were made for each other. And that was not even a joke. Oh, that just came out. out Anyway. And it was nice seeing Halloween's take on on Christmas. Apparently, everyone thought it was so bad, they tried to gun Jack down, and they were packing heat! Man, oh man. And the funny thing about Jack is... He has two voices is voicing him. One being Chris as Sir, Sarandon him as a speaking voice and Danny Elfman as his singing voice. Yeah. Uh, one would hope that there would be one guy 
I who could both act and sing. And next comes Catherine O'Hara. Her as Sally, a ragdoll slash scarecrow like a creation of a Frank Inkelstein and Anne Jack's love interest. Now she can sing anytime. Ah, seriously, her her mute musical voice is second to none. And the funny thing about this, O'Hara actually previously co-starred in, in one another of, of Timber and releases. Can you guess which one? I'll give you a hint. hint. Say the name three times and he will appear in your nightmares. And those who are wondering, it's Beetlejuice. Now, be, now don't say it three times. And there's also William Hickey as Doc. Dr. Finkelstein, not Frankenstein, i.e. the mad scientist, and the father of Sally. Then there's Glenn Shaddix, a mayor of Halloween Town. He's the enthusiastic leader who can dance town meetings and has wild moon swings from happy to distraught because they, as his head spins, spins from happy and sad face. Now that sounds like something any pregnant woman I mean what and say am I right ladies uh, I'm probably gonna get some bad calls from that one then there's also Kevin Page as Oogie Boogie the villainous boogeyman in Halloween Town who has a passion of gambling and likes to betray Jack as you can tell Oogie is probably more is the mo- is the villain of the film uh, don't you just love Halloween? Ain't it monsters in a sack filled with bugs? Then we have Ed Ivory as Santa Claus. That's the leader of Christmas Town. And Santa Claus is responsible for the annual celebration of Christmas, as everyone knows. And everyone loves him for him. Right? And then and Jack came, came around and kidnaps him and takes over for him. Yeah, Jack, we're gonna need to have a talk. Okay. The film is great. It's all around bonkers, but then again, that's what you would want to expect and from a movie that combines Halloween and Christmas and put them together into something that makes it beautiful. And considering that the songs and score was created by Danny Elfman himself, it's no wonder under everyone became obsessed obsessed with the film and wanted to come back to it every year, especially during Christmas time. I'm, huh, even I'm, I'm guilty of that. Don't judge me. Anywho, we're gonna be taking a little bit of a break from the Christmas madness. When we're gonna, when we come back, we're gonna be looking at a movie that has the big guy himself, Santa Claus. But first, this is Jingle Bell Rock by Bobby Helms. and a film themed in movie of the day and that is the Santa Claus and that's Claus Claus with an E as in a rule anywho the film star was Tim Allen as Scott and Calvin an ordinary man who accidentally causes Santa Claus played by his actual stunt double 
Amosti, in Lucas, Eskew, to fall from his roof on Christmas Eve when he and his young son Charlie finished St. Nick's trip and deliveries. He's then going to the North Pole where Scott learns that he needs to become the new Santa and convinces loves that he is indeed the Santa Claus. Now, I'm not gonna lie, this is uh, this is probably one of my favorite Santa Claus films. Well, the first and the second one, because i.e. Tim Allen as Santa is a great choice. I mean, seriously, he's got charisma. Uh, uh, he fits the job pretty well. Now, the film was released in 1994 on November and grossed over over $189 million. While it received mixed reviews at the time, and it since then became a Christmas time staple among viewers, meaning that if you want to celebrate the holidays right, you do it with the Santa Claus. And not to mention, it's a joyful time for the family. Family, and it's very good. Rod Tomiowski has a 71% based on 56 reviews, which is an average rating. And the consensus was the Santa Claus is utterly un ending and firmly rooted in the sort of good old-fashioned holiday spirit missing from too many modern Utah films. And frankly, I kind of agree with that. It's a good Christmas film for the family to enjoy. It has the Christmas spirit, and it has good comedy, and a lot of good normal, normal emotional films like saying goodbye. Hi. Or when and he want, and Scott wants to spend and Christmas with his son Charlie, which he he doesn't have that much time. Consider and he and his wife, if Laura, played by Wendy and Cruson, and split up, and for, and he has to say goodbye to that, and given that he he has his new well responsibilities in <clears throat> certain areas. I mean, why do you think the film's tagline is? Scott Colin must become Santa Claus. Has no ifs, ands, just one big but. And considering that he is is becoming the big guy, that is one one big but. After, and it's nice to see him having a good time with his son. I mean, heck, he gets to go. Charlie gets to go. Oh, with Scott uh, on the sleigh, hey, around, around America delivering the presents. That's how you know you got the best dad ever. Ever. I mean, and you know, I mean, I would want a dad and who's Sam Claw. I was wouldn't you? The production of the film was entirely short, was entirely shot at and the group. Toronto area. Oaksville served at the city you know, Lakeside, Illinois, and the reindeer was you used to film used in the film were all used in the Toronto Zoo. And the train you used in the North Pole scene at the start of the film are all LGBs. And anywho. And November 2020, with the COVID pandemic, they've limited new releases. The Santa Claus was re-released in Increased into 1,581 theaters and grew. It was 
481,000. You gotta love COVID, and theaters are bringing out old films just to stay in business. Classics, thanks, and all that. That jazz. Wonder what else the other one one's gonna do. Tim out. This film, like I said, is a good tie. I mean, I definitely recommend it, and for those who want to spend Christmas with families, families, and just have a good Yule time, time. Return to the movie. At least I'm Austin J. Jones right here on Anchor.fm, and that's gonna be it for this episode. We laughed, we cried, and we had some good and tile times. And that was an unintended rhyme. Now, <laughs> I look forward to seeing y'all all again next week for the last show. Uh, I know it's gonna be a rough one, and uh, but until then, enjoy right here. Well, your time here with this episode. Well, see you next time. I'm and remember, fa la 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 la. la. Get up, jingle horse, pick up your 